Welcome to Pictures of a Pandemic, July 21st, 2020. This is Episode 7 of American Baptist Tome Mission Society's podcast, Telling Stories of the Toll the Coronavirus is Taking on American Baptists and American Baptist Organizations Across the United States and Puerto Rico. I'm Susan Gottschall, Director of Communications. In the last six episodes, I have been surprised at the ways the pandemic is touching all of us. From immigrants in Massachusetts challenged with social distancing because so many live in such tight quarters, to seniors in Puerto Rico fearful of staying inside their homes where they can shelter from the virus, but where they might not be safe from the tremors and earthquakes experienced there in the last six months. These days are indeed challenging for all of us, even if in different ways. Today, I'm talking with the Reverend Reverend Chaplain Colonel Brett Charsky, uh, Joint Force Headquarters Chaplain of the Vermont Army National Guard. He's been a military chaplain for 20 years. And uh, Chaplain Charsky is also pastor of Pulaski Baptist Church, north of Syracuse, New York, where he's been serving for 23 years. Chaplain Charsky, how are these days challenging for you as a military chaplain? You know, Susan, that's a a great question. Um, One of the the trends that uh, across the the 50 states and the four territories uh, are seeing is an increase, unfortunately, in suicide. And despite all the policies, the last few months, what we've seen is during the isolation, especially for single soldiers who are struggling, trying to go to work and pay bills. Some of them have lost their jobs. Uh, They're receiving unemployment maybe, or maybe they're just working at a place uh, that they really couldn't get unemployment. And uh, and then the isolation on top of that has really uh, caused people, instead of being able to reach out, we are thankful for all of the technology of Zoom, text, and calling, but there's still a need to truly be connected to people like touch. And, uh, and so, unfortunately, we're not 100% sure what is all of the different uh, factors, but we are seeing across the nation uh, an increase in uh, suicide among those serving in at least the National Guard at this point. And so how do you, um, how do you minister to those who are, how do you, can you identify soldiers who are at higher risk of suicide and how do you minister to them? Well, what the, the squad leaders have been doing at the lowest level is trying to reach out and connect with Uh, each of their soldiers. And throughout this pandemic, I've actually had a number of different uh, sergeants reach out to me in confidence and say, would you contact so-and-so? Now, as a chaplain reaching out, I've done my best to uh, try to connect with some of the soldiers. 
but they are not uh, commanded to to communicate, to talk to me. So I've I've tried to reach out to soldiers who have been maybe in some way targeted, not really targeted, but identified as having maybe some emotional issues, psychological issues, knowing that as a chaplain, whether we speak in in person or over the phone or like a Zoom, however we speak, it's in complete confidence. And uh, and yet, uh, I have not been able to reach all of those soldiers for one reason or another. So though I am trying to minister to people, it is still incumbent upon them to reach out to me um, if they really want to talk to me. Listening to you, I can't help but think that from my perspective, totally on the outside, never having served in the military, it seems to me that there would be um, of, um, a, a posture of strength. You know, I'm a soldier, I'm in the military, I'm strong, I shouldn't have emotional challenges, I shouldn't let loneliness bother me. It, does that happen? Do you think that that's true? Um, yes, that is still one of the, uh, you know, one of the sayings of the military is drive on hula and uh, mission first. Uh, and while those are wonderful motivational statements, the reality is, is even though I'm wearing a uniform, I'm still a person. And as a person, I still have uh, emotions and feelings. Uh, just uh, this past week, a master sergeant who had served six full uh, tours in Afghanistan, his nickname was Captain America. For a master sergeant, he'd probably been in for close to 17 to 20 years, uh, a very knowledgeable, respected soldier, and yet uh, he, on active duty, uh, just took his own life. And so... We wear the uniform, and sometimes we're even given nicknames like Captain America, and yet underneath all the training, uh, people feel lonely, people feel disconnected, um, they feel powerless to, to fight something like coronavirus. Uh, they're great at fighting the enemy, uh, but sometimes the loneliness uh, is a, a greater enemy uh, than the physical enemy. And so while we, we train to be strong, uh, we also have to recognize that we're all vulnerable as well. That's a sad story. So um, obviously there's a sense of hopelessness uh, that's, that's associated with someone who's suicidal. If someone is identified to you as a possible um, a person who might commit suicide. What do you, how do you minister to that people, that person, if you do have the opportunity to talk, to talk to him or her? I, I do two things in the army. I'm trained to actually do suicide intervention. So if I met someone like on a bridge, I, I have that suicide intervention training and I'm also an instructor in that course. Uh, but I also teach prevention. The greatest gift that you can give someone, either by Zoom or in person, is the gift of truly seeking to understand his or her story. 
we often rush in and say, oh, you must have something to live for. Well, no, if they are saying there is no hope, they're not thinking logical at this point. So to truly say, okay, you probably don't have anything to live for, but would you like to start out by just sharing your name with me? Um, sometimes if you can just let them start out by sharing your name, uh, where they work or if they're married or any children, if you can allow them to start sharing any personal information and then truly listen, not, not try to say, well, see, you have a lot to live for. You have a dog or you have a wife. No, you just seek to understand what is going on in their life and, and continue to, in a sense, uh, encourage them to share why they want to die more than why they want to live. Because once a person, the light goes on in their own mind that says, maybe there is a little hope. You can never give people hope like that if you can truly listen and the person develops the hope then he or she uh, has that ability to take the step away from the bridge. But uh, I read an article one time where a person got on a bus in San Francisco and uh, he was gonna jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, the, the number one place in the world a few years ago before they put the net up. And he had one criteria. If one person would stop and ask me simply how I was doing and look me in the eye, I would not commit suicide. Um, he ended up uh, taking a bus, crying. He got onto the bridge. He even took pictures for people who asked him. And yet no one took the moment to say, are you okay? And so oftentimes, we are in a hurry uh, because of our own agendas, our own, our own pace of life to truly stop and pause and look at someone and say, are you okay? And, uh, uh, and so the gift that I bring to people is simply learning to ask what's going on in your life without asking more questions. That's very powerful. So what role does faith play either in how you can minister to people personally, how you can keep your own spirits up, or how you share that faith with those who are feeling hopeless at times? Well, um, there's a couple questions there. Uh, first, uh, I have talked to soldiers, and normally about 30, 35, 40 minutes into a conversation after they've be, after you allow them to share some, you know, just personal information like, hi, my name is Brett, um, and you let them share some personal information, at some point you can begin this, I begin to ask like, do you have any faith that you belong at the church or do you have any faith that you connect with a faith group that you connect with? A simple question uh, that may say, yes, I, I once went to a Catholic church or I'm Jewish. Uh, 
or whatever it is, uh, once you identify whether or not he or she has any faith, then you, you might be able to um, explore that with them and just say, you know, would you be willing to share uh, how in the past your faith uh, was a part of your, your life? Um, you want to be very invitational. You want to allow them to respond with control and say, yes or no, I would. And then you respect that. Uh, you, you don't ask like interrogating questions, but you try to invite them to share what they are willing to share. And again, you listen respectfully. And if the, the conversation moves in more of a religious, a spiritual way, then I will, you know, almost uh, monitor what I share because I don't want to make it about me. I want to allow them to understand that I'm listening and I'm listening to their story. So I may share a little of my hope that I have, but again, it's not me forcing, wow, I have hope in Christ. It's letting them kind of uh, explore what do they believe at, um, at the same time. So um, in the last um, chaplaincy e-newsletter that went out, you wrote about um, forming relationships and connecting to people as an important part of serving as a chaplain. Um, why, why is that? Why is it so important to, to form relationships and connect to each other? Well, through the military, the, uh, I'm, I get certified in a number of different trainings, and one of them is called a Strong Bonds tra Instructor. And this is a training where I, um, someone has written a book, some kind of like a marriage book, and they use this training. They've developed a whole curriculum, and then the Army pays us to become certified to teach that material. And then I host, like, I've actually been the, the main speaker, instructor for a whole weekend. 15, 18 couples come. We go to a nice hotel. And I use the material um, that these uh, doctors, you know, PhDs, psychologists have written. Well, um, Dr. Sue Johnson, a few years ago, she's written it many years ago, but I finally had the opportunity to become certified in it but it was called Hold Me Tight. Her initial book was called Hold Me Tight. But then she wrote a book with a Christian called Created for Connection. And while there's lots of good material out there, uh, this one truly is a comes from a Christian perspective going back to Genesis where, God, where Adam said, look, I've named all the animals. They're male and female, but I'm lonely. And... Uh, throughout the whole book, uh, Created for Connection, she talks about how uh, God really created both men and women for connection and then to have children. And through that connection, we realize that we have lots of things that we're lacking. And through connection, we become, I don't want to say there's people out there who are single who are doing very well. But there's something about how God creates people, whether to be in friendship or in a marriage. And uh, when 
there is no create that connection is broken like in this pandemic people are connecting now just through phone it's a different connection than where the touches and she puts a lot of emphasis on how we were created for connection to form relationships and then to include the physical touch and how physical touch can really help encourage can demonstrate love can demonstrate compassion and when couples begin to move away from the physical touch that's a sign that their relationship is beginning to break down well during this pandemic there's been lots of you know communication through text you know, phone calls but that physical touch that people so much are a part of their need um are not receiving it and so for me forming relationships and creating that connection that includes a physical touch is well it's very important biblically as well as emotionally and last year i actually taught her book created for connection and people afterwards came up to me and said wow i i guess i never thought through how uh created for connection how much i need that physical touch that hug from my wife or my husband or to give to my children um they just never thought of it and so uh, i received wonderful compliments for how i taught her material um created for connection so it sounds like um what you're seeing is one of the needs that's been created by the pandemic is a need for connection that there's a lot of isolation um is there is there anything else that i mean it seems like our, most of our conversation be it about suicide be it about about connection is all about um building relationships that's suffering would you say that 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 suffering as a result of the pandemic in general um yes for example i have three children one who just graduated the my middle son is a very extroverted person and he uses his phone to facetime during school he got on the google classroom just to see friends but there were a lot of people who never got on um to like a google classroom and even like right now we have a fire pit in our backyard we enjoy having friends come over uh and just sit around roast marshmallows well parents are really allowing their kids just to have swim parties hang out with their friends yes they they we still do things as a family but even i have a ninth grader a junior and one or senior now or one who just graduated they all still need physical contact and my son plays basketball he just last week was able to go play basketball with friends and so again it has allowed children uh to isolate and just hang out with like their brothers and sisters but not their friends and uh, i think it i think the emotional uh, is going to be it's not fully seen yet i think it we're going to see more and more and especially if schools do not reopen in the fall um fall sports I think there's going to be a lot of emotional problems that we're going to start to see. It's like an iceberg. 
you only see 20% of the iceberg, the other 80%, it's like the ti- sunk the Titanic. It wasn't the small part, it was the mountain of ice that the ship ran into. I really think that if schools are not reopened um, and there's limited connection with their friends, I think uh, there's going to be more younger teenagers struggling this coming year uh, because not all families are solid families, loving. There's lots of families that struggle. And uh, if sometimes kids, I was talking to one of the guidance counselors at the school and they were like, uh, some kids want to go to school just to get out of the home. And now if they're kind of locked into the home the whole time, it, it has, I think, created some issues that are going to begin to resurface in a greater level. And that's what's happening to soldiers. Um, soldiers uh, are being isolated from their training. We're doing training differently. And uh, um, formation, training, it's all different now. And uh, there's, there's that lack of really being able to connect on, the hum- on that human physical touch level. That's pretty apparent. So we have to we have to close, but I have I, I just wanted to take a moment to ask you how you see these issues playing out in your church, since you know you're a bivocational uh, pastor chaplain. Um, how how are these issues? What kinds of needs are you seeing created by the pandemic in your church? Are they the same as what you see as a chaplain, or are they different? Uh, Lots of them are similar to what other pastors are experiencing. Uh, Our church, our sanctuary is large enough that when we were able to open up to 33%, um, we could hold uh, everybody and spread out. But during the pandemic, we were doing Zoom services like a lot of churches were, and I was posting. But people were still like, um, we have a coffee hour afterwards. And even during the pandemic Zoom services, we would stay after church just to drink coffee, have a donut, and talk to people. Um, Now we've had services since June 5th, but this past Sunday was our first coffee hour, and there was a distinct difference between people coming to church, wearing a mask, and leaving versus taking time to say hi and how are you? What's going on? Um, and so there was a distinct difference, again, because of that connection with people. Um, because some of our older fam- older people in our church, they called in, but they don't have Zoom. So they were not seeing anybody. They were just listening. And then they felt isolated because they didn't know when to talk. They couldn't see people raising their hand. They couldn't see them. And so they would listen to the service and then primarily get off um, rather than being able to physically see each other. And, and some of them, they still don't want me to come even wearing a mask yet. Um, and so they've been isolated since March. And, and so there is that isolation, that loneliness among some of those older people. Um, and, and they are struggling to really feel connected again to the church. 
Well, all we need to pray that um, these days will be ended sooner rather than later. Um, because, as you have said, um, connection and touching and being with each other is very important. Um, it's, you know, sort of like breathing air and eating food and drinking water. We take that for granted sometimes, I think, but it's really, really important. So thank you very much for your time. Blessings on your work. Um, we'll keep you in our prayers. Um, and we appreciate the good work that you're doing with those soldiers who might be feeling desperate. So. Well, thank you, Susan, and God bless you.